Greetings, everyone. I want to welcome all of us at Center Street Church. Uh, we are in a systematic study of the Gospel of Matthew, and our current sermon series is Thy Kingdom Come. Oh, when Jesus came into this world, he inaugurated the kingdom of God. The kingdom is not just to do with the future, but it is a present spiritual reality. The gospel of Christ proclaims the good news that God reigns and he has set in motion this process of redemption. Even at the start of his ministry, Jesus announces this very message and he backs it by demonstrating his authority over everything that defies God's kingdom. And we have a series of miracles in this section of Matthew's gospel where Jesus overthrows all the adversaries one by one. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about how Jesus has conquered sickness, unruly forces of nature, and Pastor Kent gave a great message on Jesus' power over the demonic world. And just to give you a heads up, next weekend I will bring the series to a close as we talk about Jesus' power over death and we will celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Just wanted you to keep that in mind. Uh, today we're going to address uh, Jesus' authority over yet another enemy of God's kingdom. You can call it the root of all problems. If you wonder why our world is in a mess, here is the issue. This is the primary reason why there is a separation between God and humans. All of creation suffers from its consequences. Now, what I'm referring to is none other than the problem of sin. Ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God, we live in a world where sin is rampant and brings with it all forms of brokenness. The good news is Jesus exercises his authority over sin. He breaks the power of sin. Pastor David Platt puts it this way. Forgiveness is God's greatest gift because it meets our greatest need. Now that is a, a powerful statement. Now our problem is some of us have no idea of what is our greatest need. Instead, we focus merely on the symptoms. People today are obsessed with what is on the surface, on the outside, but they are ignorant of what lies underneath at the core of their being. Today, I want to talk to us about our greatest need as humans and why Jesus is our great Savior. Wherever you're watching this, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read God's word together. Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 to 8. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Now that surprised everybody, totally unexpected. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. That's a strong word there. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, 
Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? Great question. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So that is the emphasis of our text. Jesus' authority to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, our hearts are open to you to hear what you have to say. We acknowledge our greatest need to be forgiven. And we thank you for your greatest gift of blessing us with forgiveness so freely. I pray for every person who hears this message today that their hearts will be receptive, that your spirit will do a deep work in us to apply these words to our heart. We ask this in the powerful, authoritative, matchless name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. A religious festival in India called Kumbh Mela is the largest gathering on earth. Millions of people gather during this festival time in the northern part of India. It has even made its way to the Guinness Book of World Records. And if you wonder, what is the reason for this gathering? Why are so many people congregating in one place? It is to wash away their sins in the famous river Ganges. I read over 120 million people gathered in the last festival held in 2019. Can you imagine Millions of people plunging themselves in a polluted river, hoping that somehow that would wash away their sins. Can you identify with the level of desperation and hope that this long, grueling pilgrimage will purify their guilty conscience? It may seem ironic to us, but it confirms the universal longing within the human heart for divine forgiveness. It really doesn't matter who we are, where we live. If we go past the surface, what is superficial, we will come face to face with our deepest need to be forgiven. As someone well-versed with major world religions, I know every religion expresses this sincere desire for forgiveness. Check this for yourself. No other faith offers a clear plan of salvation like the Christian faith does. No other faith even comes close. Our gospel text makes it clear that Jesus offers us the gift that meets our greatest need, our need for forgiveness. So let's delve into our passage for today. And look at verse 2. Some men brought to him, Jesus, a paralyzed man lying on a mat. So we have here a man afflicted with a debilitating disease, a physical condition that was 
causing him to be completely helpless, dependent on the generosity of others. And one fine day, his friends decide, let's place him on a mat and take him to the miracle worker. And we have a parallel passage in Mark's gospel that narrates the same story, but also gives us additional details. Mark's gospel tells us, Jesus was teaching in a house that day, and it was jam-packed. There was absolutely no room in that house. So the friends of the paralyzed man come up with a novel idea. I'm pretty sure they didn't consult the homeowner about this, but they made a hole in the roof and lowered him down. Now picture this drama. This is not just amazing creativity, but they're taking unbelievable risk in doing this. What if the rope snapped or they lost their grip? Nevertheless, they take on this risky endeavor. And why did they do all this? Why did they go the extra mile? It is out of compassion for their suffering friend. Even today, paralysis is a terrible handicap. It immobiles, you're immobile, and that makes you dependent. You know, imagine how difficult this must have been centuries ago. The disabled were treated as social outcasts. There were no mandatory building codes with wheelchair accessibility, no place to receive specialized health care. They lived a miserable existence. And knowing how much this man suffered, out of sheer pity, his friends come up with an ingenious idea of lowering him down the roof and all of this in order to get Jesus' attention. Now, as this man made a grand arrival through the roof, all eyes were fixed on Jesus to see a great spectacle. People thought, surely this was going to be epic. Now, what did Jesus do? Look at the last part of verse 2. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Now that word son can also be translated as child. So think about this person, a social outcast is now given the identity of a son. That's how Jesus views him. Now rather than addressing this person's physical condition, Jesus directs his attention to his uh, spiritual condition and extends forgiveness. Now keep in mind, the paralyzed man didn't explicitly ask for his sins to be forgiven. Now, unlike the people who gather by the Ganges River, he and his friends had come hoping for a physical miracle. And this was a total anti-climax. You find that odd? You know, the man and his friends could have said to Jesus, <coughs> Jesus, it is awfully Nice of you to extend forgiveness. But that's not why we came through the roof. Don't you see this man has a more immediate pressing problem? You know, from their point of view, the man's main problem was his inability to walk. And that needed to be fixed first. And Jesus would go 
No, no, you don't understand. Your fundamental problem is not your paralysis. It is not your physical condition. Your primary problem is spiritual and you need forgiveness. Now that tells me life's fundamental problems are not what we think they are. Today, you ask any average person in the world, what is our problem? And they will inevitably point you to the COVID-19 crisis. Look at this virus. It's destroying our health, our economy, our plans. We desperately need relief from this problem. And while it is true that we do need relief from this crisis, and we should make every effort towards this endeavor, And let us not forget we have a greater problem on our hands and it is spiritual. Our sins, our unrighteousness, our self-centered actions, they separate us from God. They have the power to scorch us more than any other force in this universe. Pastor Tim Keller rightly points out Our sins not just refer to the bad things that we do, but sin is saying to ourselves, I will decide how I will live my life. It is ignoring God, putting him on the sideline and pursuing a path of our own that really gets us into trouble. And Jesus showed this paralyzed man that he had a deeper need. And today, Jesus shows us what we identify as our problems are merely symptoms. Your primary problem is not your relational breakdown or the loss of job or sickness or addictions. It is not your psychological problems like low self-esteem or your battle with anxiety. Those are all symptoms. Because we have chosen a path independent of God, there is a separation between God and us, and that is our primary problem today. Every form of brokenness flows out of this fractured relationship. So what we desperately need is not freedom from the symptoms, but something that will address the root. And merely treating the symptoms will not suffice. If Jesus had healed the paralyzed man and sent him home, that would have been miraculous, but not life-changing. Because in a few weeks, the novelty of the healing will wear off, and the man would struggle like before for purpose, meaning, and significance in life. Some of us, we crave for something in life that we think would satisfy us. But unknowingly, we are treating the symptoms instead of the problem. And we say, if only I buy this product, if only I get this promotion at work, if only I marry a better person, if only my dreams come true. Now, I want you to know Getting your deepest wish is not going to save you. It will only let you down. 
The only person who can save you is Jesus. You don't need something. You need someone, and that someone is Jesus Christ. Our greatest need is not physical. It's spiritual. That is why Jesus addresses the spiritual needs of the paralyzed man before he came to his physical needs. Now, I want us to pay attention to the response of the religious leaders. Look at verse 3. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Now, the teachers of the law were intelligent people. They knew their Old Testament inside out. They figured out that one person could forgive sins, and that is God. When Jesus absolved the totality of this man's sins, they perceived it clearly as blasphemy. Now, author John Stott used this popular illustration to clarify this very point. Imagine there are three guys, Tom, Dick, and Harry. Now, Tom and Dick get into a fight, and Tom punches Dick in the nose. There's blood everywhere, and Dick has a broken nose. Now, if Harry, who wasn't involved in the fight, if Harry goes to Tom and says, Tom, I forgive you for punching Dick on, on the face. Now, if you're Dick, you will protest and say, hey, Harry, he hit me. What is it to do with you? How can you forgive him for what he has done to me? Very sensible, isn't it? You can only Forgive those sins that are against you. And that is why forgiveness is a divine prerogative. Because ultimately all sins are committed against God. And he alone has the right to forgive. And Jesus proclaimed forgiveness to the paralyzed man. He clearly was taking on that divine prerogative and equaling himself with God. Now look at verses 4 and 5. Knowing their thoughts, you know, that's an important phrase. I'm going to come to that in a moment. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Now, the phrase, knowing their thoughts, tells us that Jesus could read people's minds. In case you are wondering how Jesus forgave the paralyzed man without him asking for forgiveness, there is your answer. Jesus can read people's thoughts. This paralyzed man must have sought forgiveness from the inside. There was this longing in his heart to be free from sin. And sensing that unspoken yearning of this man's heart, Jesus extended forgiveness. Now in the same way, Jesus now reads the minds of the religious leaders sitting there. And Jesus poses this fascinating question. Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk. 
Now weigh this for a moment. Which one is easier? To proclaim forgiveness or to physically heal somebody? You know, on the one hand, anybody can say your sins are forgiven because there is no empirical evidence, no external proof to confirm the validity of that statement. But if you say to a paralyzed person, rise up and walk, then you know that this is a physical test. The efficacy of your statement will be seen immediately. But let me challenge you to take a different perspective. Which is easier, to forgive sins or to physically heal somebody? Now we know with the advancement of medical technology, we may actually be able to heal somebody physically, but to forgive a person's sins in totality, that is totally outside of our human scope. That is impossible for us as humans. So Jesus is claiming he has the power to do the harder thing that only God can do. A miracle worker may pull a trick and perform a miracle, but it takes the Savior of the world to forgive someone and give them the gift of salvation. Let me ask you, how does God forgive sins? In a sermon, Tim Keller quotes the great uh, British preacher of old, Martin Lloyd-Jones. And this is what Martin Lloyd-Jones says, forgiveness of sins is the greatest problem that God ever faced. Now, think about that for a moment. That is a profound statement. When Jesus said, let there be light, there was light. And he spoke, the entire creation came into being. And the centurion's servant was sick, as we saw a couple of weeks ago. One word from Jesus took care of that. When the wind and the waves blew, Jesus spoke and he calmed the storm. And two men possessed with a legion of demons came to Jesus. One word and those demons were sent away. For Jesus to make a paralyzed person walk is no big deal, for there is power in his words. But what about this man's sins? Could Jesus merely forgive his sins and cancel all his debts with just a statement? No. See, here is the problem that Martin Lloyd-Jones was uh, alluding to. A just God cannot overlook sins. He cannot absolve sin and leave them unpunished. So the omnipotent God was faced with a dilemma. He couldn't just snap his finger and forgive somebody's sins. A price had to be paid. Our greatest Need is forgiveness. It is the greatest problem God ever faced. And he came up with the greatest possible solution, the gospel. 
But when Jesus suffered and died, he took your sin and my sin and the sins of the entire world. The sinless son of God became sin so we in turn can become the righteousness of God. The Bible tells us that all who embrace Christ by placing our faith in him can at that very moment experience forgiveness from all our sins. The quest within every world religion finds its fulfillment in Christ. Hindus believe that they have to go through Endless cycles of reincarnations in order to get rid of their karma. The Ganges offers no guarantee to wash away their sins. Muslims have to accumulate good deeds, follow strict rules, and yet have no assurance of being forgiven. Now, Buddhists have to hope that somehow they have mastered their desires and follow the rigorous eightfold path and hope somehow they will get to nirvana. But those who come to the cross of Jesus Christ need to have no doubt, no fear, no speculation. We are granted forgiveness that very moment we place our faith in Christ. Instantly, our sins that are scarlet red are made white as snow. Jesus breaks the shackle and power of sin and sets us free. In the famous hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, one of the stanzas goes like this. My sin Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Until you personally know this truth, your heart will be restless and you will never experience the wellness in your soul. When Jesus forgave the paralyzed man, the religious leaders were indignant. For they realized that Jesus was claiming an authority that belongs to God alone. Instead of asking people to come through the complex sacrificial system established in Judaism, Jesus bypasses the sacrifices, the priesthood, and the temple and declares that forgiveness is found in him. And look at verse 6. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. See, that is the crux of the passage, his authority to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Here's something else that we need to know. Our fundamental problem is spiritual, and Jesus meets that by extending forgiveness. But God also cares for our physical. 
The Christian faith doesn't create this unnecessary dichotomy and call us to ignore the physical and only focus on the spiritual. No. Our God cares for us as a person, as, as a person, as a whole. So Jesus goes on to eventually heal the paralyzed man of his physical ailment. And thereby, Jesus demonstrates his power in word and in deed. The physical healing authenticated his claim and authority to forgive people's sins. Now look at the reaction of the crowd, the people who are observing this. Verse 8. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe. Now that's an expression of worship. And they praised God who had given such authority to man. And when the crowd witnessed Jesus' actions, they were blown away. They don't fully comprehend the identity of Jesus. But nevertheless, they saw the authority that Jesus had to forgive people's sins. And they praised God for it. Our greatest need today is forgiveness and God offers us the greatest gift through Jesus Christ. Now let me close with a powerful story that summarizes this message so well. Simon Wiesenthal was a Jewish Holocaust survivor. He wrote a book called The Sunflower. And in this book he records the harrowing experiences that he and his family had to go through inflicted by the Nazi regime. Wiesenthal refers to this incident when they asked him to clean the medical waste in a makeshift army hospital for wounded German soldiers. One day, a nurse came up to him and asked, Are you a Jew? Wiesenthal says, Yes. She takes him to the bedside of a wounded Nazi soldier, bandaged from head to toe with just opening for his ears, nose, and mouth. This 21-year-old young man laid in his deathbed, tortured by feelings of guilt over the atrocities that he had committed. Now, his death wish was to have a word with the Jew before he passed away. So as the nurse brought Wiesenthal to the bedside of the Nazi soldier, the young man started to narrate all of the atrocities that he had committed against the Jewish people, the number of lives he had taken, including that of little children. And it was a time of confession. The young man went on to say, the pains in my body are terrible. But worse still is my conscience. I cannot die without coming clean. In the last hours of my life, you are with me. I do not know who you are. I only know that you are a Jew, and that is enough. All that this young man, this young soldier wanted was to hear from a Jew that he has forgiven him. And that was the only way He thought he could die in peace. Simon Wiesenthal listened 
as this young soldier poured out his heart. And as he was hearing him speak, Wiesenthal was fighting a flood of emotions inside of him. And at the end of the conversation, he says he just walked away without a word because he couldn't find the strength to extend forgiveness. When he returned to the hospital the next day, the same nurse came to Wiesenthal and told him that the young soldier had died. I'm using this story as a contrast. This young man, tortured by guilt, couldn't find forgiveness that he desperately needed because he was looking to the wrong source. And yet you and I, when we are faced with the reality of our sins, that we are under the grip of sin, ravaged by guilt, we can look to Jesus. And that is why I can tell you now today as a minister of the gospel, and this is the reason why I have given my entire life to proclaiming this message. If you come to Jesus with a broken heart, if you come to him in repentance, Jesus will not walk away from you. Instead, you hear the sweetest words you can possibly hear. Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far I have removed your transgressions and I remember them no more. Friend, if you need forgiveness today, don't wait any longer. Come to Jesus with a broken heart and receive the blessed assurance that only Jesus can bring. That not only are you forgiven, but you are welcomed with open arms into God's own family. And if you know the gift of forgiveness and you've received it already in your life, take a moment to once again cherish this gift that Jesus has so freely given to you and me.